the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. I am Danny Smith alongside the world traveler, Ben South, who is returning from another trip down to uh, uh, Guatemala. And I know he'll be probably sharing a little bit about that. Ben, how are you today? Hey, Danny, I am doing good. Glad to be back in the States. I think I'm here for the rest of the country, been traveling some, but glad to be here and glad to be back in the swing of ministry and back to recording and just back to normal life. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Well, I too tell you what, it's always exciting to kind of hear how those trips go. And, you know, Ben, I think we would both say that uh, taking trips like that can be a, a lot of fun. It can do a lot of good, but you got to have some good training for it. And our sponsor for the podcast is a great place to go to get training for those kind of trips that you're doing. So Central Baptist College has been uh, a sponsor of the podcast for a long time now. Um, if you are looking to start a degree, if you are looking at ministry training, uh, a degree that will help you uh, in whatever, whatever area you're looking at in life, CBC is a place that you can go. Christ-centered education, great, strong academic teaching. You can go to CBCBU. Um, you can find uh, all information about financial aid. You can find information about the academics. You can connect with an admissions counselor. Um, so make sure you go there. You can schedule visits. You can get all the info that you need. Again, we're so thankful for Central Baptist College, cbc.edu. So make sure uh, you check them out today. And so, Ben, it's good to have you back. It's good to be back. And about CBC, I saw this week that they're getting ready to have their fall stampede day where they new students are invited in. So if you're listening to this on the release day, I think you can probably even still sneak into this upcoming um stampede where you can come and preview the campus and the programs and the things are at cbc so check them yeah. out yeah you know, my son took a tour of the college back uh this summer they did a great job so uh lots of fun uh indeed now again one thing i want to ask you about very quickly and, and we could certainly spend many podcasts talking about this when you were in guatemala you rented a hilux vehicle. And if you're not familiar with that, it is, I think every dude wants to have one of those. Can you just, was it fun? Was it, was it everything that I would hope the Hilux would be? Well, I will tell you, I have driven a lot of different Toyota models and it is my favorite Toyota model I have driven. I wish you could get it here in the U.S. And I had some, we had some discussions about, uh, why we don't sell it here and it had, there's something to do with that tariff tax on those light duty trucks it's like a 25 percent tax if you bring it into the u.s which makes it cost-wise not feasible in our economy but man it was a great little truck i i hope to rent one again when i'm overseas sometime yeah yeah if you do that let me know i may have to uh jump on <laughs> Go with us. It's a fun little truck to drive. It handled the mountains well and handled the altitude well. We were up at about 11,500 feet most days, and so it didn't give us any trouble at all going up and down the mountains. And I, I told the rental place, I said, I'd drive it back to the States if I thought I could get through the border. But they said, yeah, you'd probably have some troubles. Yeah, you might not want to try that. So, well, that's good. Well, we're glad you're back. Uh, glad that 
that uh, that you were able to go on the trip there. Yep, it was good. It was a good week. We had. Uh, multiple professions of faith and got to work through some local churches that we've been partnering with for a decade or more now uh, and just kind of continue those relationships. This was our first team there since COVID and so it was a great uh, week, good team that did some good work and glad to do it and I'm glad to be speaking now just in one language because where we work we don't get to speak, uh, they don't speak English obviously, but they also, the people we work with don't speak Spanish for the most part. So we have to have everything we say is translated from English into Spanish and from Spanish into their native tongue that is primarily an oral language. Doesn't Most of them are illiterate and don't read it. So it's a very oral culture. But so everything, every time we preach, every time we give testimony, every time we're talking, it has to be translated from English to Spanish, Spanish to mom is the name of the language they speak. So we've been dealing with multiple translations. Let me tell you, by the time something is translated twice, you've forgotten what you said. So when you're ready to go to the next thing. Yeah, I can imagine just the logistics of that. And, and, and I'm assuming maybe your run-of-the-mill Bible app with all the various English translations that might not even come into play because of that kind of logistical situation. Yeah, and actually in their language, they only have the New Testament translated uh, at this point into their language. And so it's just a whole different kind of approach to ministry than um, we're used to here in the States. But that kind of gives the idea of why don't we talk about some of the Bible translations, the different ones we use, why we use them, where we use them, the good ones, the bad ones, and what we think about uh, the different translations. So I'll just start. Danny, what is your preferred translation? Like if you were to go into a church today to preach, what would you use to preach or teach from? Yeah, I, I have primarily for the last uh, probably 15 to 16 years been using the English Standard Version, um, you know, and I know that's probably not unusual to hear. Um, I started, you know, I started using the ESV while I was in seminary. I actually remember when it was being marketed to be released and, um, you know, being in my, my 20s, um, you know, kind of thinking through, you know, future uh, translations. It's just one that I enjoyed. And again, I think, um, something about translations, maybe one of the reasons we gravitate to translations like we do is sometimes people we look up to um, are people that use that translation or maybe give it their uh, uh, seal of approval, whatever that may mean. Uh, but for me, I use the English Standard Version primarily. Uh, ben and I, we, you know, we were talking a few weeks ago. Uh, I still use the New American Standard uh, quite a bit uh, in my personal Bible reading, personal uh, study. And uh, so, but yeah, I have to say ESV, uh, ben, what about you? Which one do you typically use? Uh, typically, we as a church have pretty much stuck with the English Standard Version. That's what all of our pastors use when we preach. I use it when I teach from it. Uh, but I tell you, there are a couple of other translations I'm really fond of. When I was doing children's ministry, I almost exclusively used the New Living Translation. I really love that translation. It's so understandable. And if you look in the, the preface of a Yes, a New Living Translation Bible. It kind of explains their process and their approach to the translation, which makes it make more sense of why it is that way, that it's it's written to be heard and to be applied and easily adapted into the English language. So they, they looked at the structure of things to put it in a way that made it easy to hear and read to the English mind. So it was 
I've just really enjoyed that one. I would not use it for deep theological uh, research or study, but I think it's a really solid translation that really uh, is easy to just absorb for the English mind and the English ear. Uh, so I really love that translation. And for kids, it's a great translation that's easy for them to pick up and understand. Uh, but we primarily use ESV here. I think it's a good translation. I like it. But I tell you what, I'm the more and more I use the uh, Christian Standard Bible, I'm becoming a convert there as well. Uh, I use it some in teaching. I still kind of revert back to ESV, but I really like the CSV. I've been reading it for a couple years in my devotional time, and it's it's becoming one of my favorite translations. Yeah. Have you used the CSB or any LT or any of those other translations? Yeah, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, I preached a series of sermons um, out of the Gospel of Luke and actually used the CSB because uh, our church was hearing a lot about it. I think maybe even conversations with you and and with some others, uh, again, people that we kind of look up to in ministry that were using uh, that particular translation. So I decided to preach uh, my sermon series through the CSB, and I did. I, I really did enjoy it. It is one that I think uh, really communicated well um, to our church. It was a rural church, farming community, a church that primarily used some type of King James slash New King James version of the Bible. And so I thought the CSB did a really great job for them. Um, you know, the New Living and, and translations like that, um, I just would echo everything you said about it. I, I don't know that it's one that I would teach uh, or preach from in terms of, but but I think in discipling people one-to-one, I think for uh, folks, maybe like you were talking about down in Guatemala, where maybe English is not their first language, and so they're kind of learning English as they go. It's a great, great tool to be able to reach people. You know, one thing I think about our translations that the older I get, the better I'm, I'm becoming at this is that uh, I, I'm, I'm not becoming so enamored with one that it's at the expense of the others. I want to use the translation that, you know, again, is faithful to, uh, and people a lot smarter than, than I can, you know, speak to this, but, you know, faithful to the original, but being able to disciple people where they're at, I'm definitely not opposed to using uh, a translation such as the New Living Translation. Eugene Peterson's uh, The Message is another one. He was a pastor and he said, look, I, I, I put this together, translated this together so that people could understand that he was in a, a area where there was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I'm totally drawing blank on folks that illiterate uh, or at least uh, struggled with some some grammar and things like that. So I think those are helpful tools when we use them uh, in ways that that best takes advantage of the, of the benefit they give. Now, in our circles, I don't know that we run across these arguments a whole lot more, at least today, about, hey, this translation is not one you should use. And it goes back to a lot of, um, at least in this region of the country, you've got a lot of the King James only people who is like, they believe that that's an inspired translation. Not just the original documents were inspired, but that the translation was actually inspired. I know, do y'all run out into that at all, even in the West? You know, randomly, uh, uh, to a small degree, yes. There is a strong and vibrant, um, and, and I'm using this in a very broad stroke, uh, there's a very strong and vibrant, independent, uh, fundamental um, churches here. And, 
And I think a lot of it is, you know, us foreign know more because everybody else has kind of corrupted the deal. Um, and so you do run into it. Um, again, I would say probably not as prevalent as where you're at in Arkansas, but uh, we do have a, I would say a pretty strong underlying uh, sentiment about that. Um, and, and even in some of the Southern Baptist work out here, because a lot of the churches um, have struggled over the years to bring folks in and uh, it, it's been a struggle. So yeah, I, there is a strong vibrant. And it's interesting, Ben. So you and I both grew up in traditions, I'm guessing, where the King James played a very large role in our growing up years. In fact, I was in college before I had my first non-King James Bible, and I was a little scared to tell my dad about it. And uh, <laughs> it kind of became a joke between us down the road. But it does loom large for a lot of people because there has been this ingrained mentality that everything else is a corruption. And I want to just say as a side note, when you get around the Mormon church and things like that, like where I'm at, it's the same argument. It's a little, I, I, I think we have to be very careful when we start using that because that's what a lot of cults use. And uh, anytime you say nothing else is trustworthy, so if this isn't trustworthy, then nothing else is trustworthy. I think people lose all confidence that we can know anything about scripture and what's right and what's true. And Yeah, I think coming out of a culture that was heavily dominated by the King James Version. I grew up in that as well. Most of the scripture I have memorized, I've memorized in King James, and I will never bash the King James. I think it is a, especially in its day, was a great translation, and it's still a good translation, and, and there aren't many other translations that compare to it in just the richness and beauty of the language. Uh, but it's not as accessible to the modern English readers today. But I think that's why I, I lean toward the ESV because if you look back in the you know the the preface of a ESV Bible, it's going to explain to you. Though know, they use the same text streams for translation that came, that the King James Bible came out of. So if you have someone who has that argument that it's the King James only, well, you can go back and say, hey, here's the text they used. Well. The ESV is a modern usage of those same text lines to that as a main basis for the translation. So you can kind of, you know, temper some of those arguments with the ESV translation that you might not can with other translations. So I, that's one reason we stick with it. It kind of softens that blow, I guess, to people who have only grown up in King James, don't know anything else. Um, and it's a good, solid translation as well. We'll be in, uh, in, in sort of a different direction now. Okay. Let's, let's think about, about why translations are kind of important. Um, because again, I think you're right. I think on the one hand, I think we have moved past sort of, this is the only inspired translation. Again, it is alive and well, but I think for the most part, uh, some of that's moved past. But now we are in this social media digital age where anybody and everybody can be an expert on something. So you're gonna read stuff like this. You're gonna read like, hey, I don't use this translation because it is complementarian, or I'm not reading this translation because it is, you know, it's what slave owners used. I don't, so I think in this conversation about translations, I think not only knowing, hey, which ones do we like to use? Which ones do we gravitate towards? I think just being aware that there are questions floating out there. So um, I just think it's important to be aware of that. I, I will say, and maybe this is too broad of a statement, is regardless of what how you try to answer people, 
people are going to have their own ideas and stuff about what translations you use. But I do think it's important in ministry that we're aware of those questions. Do you run into any of that? Are you seeing that with maybe our younger folks, college students? Again, the Twitter world is not, you know, real life, but you do see some of these questions float out there in this sort of everybody's offended day and age world. Yeah, I don't know that I have encountered any of it directly. Um, I know it's out there. I just think it's not a primary issue. And I think it comes back to this big understanding of that we understand each of these. King James, New King James, English Standard, Christian Standard, New Living, if you want to even include the NIV, the message, they're all what? They're translations. None of them are the original documents. They're all translations. And if you understand how translating works, it's written and, and it's translated and it's for the people who can understand it in their language. When we are on mission field, that's what we do. We translate what we said in English or to Spanish and Spanish to the, the, the native languages in Guatemala when we're there. But we don't try to necessarily do a verbatim grammatical exact thing well because the language is formed different spanish forms their sentences different i have no idea how the native language forms their sentences so there's some translating things that go with it and so when we really understand what translating is it helps soften that well, like there's only one that's a acceptable translation or it should i know that doesn't argument doesn't fly with everybody but it it should because translating is just taking what was the original words in that language and that where it was written to the manuscripts we have which we don't have any of the original ones as far as i know we have a lot of early manuscripts available and so we take those words and we look to translate them into our language we speak today which is different from english 150 years ago much less 400 years ago so you take that that language and you're looking to put it into the the common spoken language that people today can understand that's i think the best goal of a translation and that's why i think we'll still continue to see translations uh, published and printed and we could get into the money side and why some publishers do it that's a whole different issue but it's because language shifts language changes if you look at an english document from four or five hundred years ago some people would have to be hard pressed to read that english document well so the translating into english at that time would also have different understanding so it puts it into the modern language so that readers today can grasp it can understand it and can apply it in their lives yeah good points all the way around because we want people to be able to understand it. I mean, it's the whole purpose of it because discipleship, right? It's flowing out of people knowing the word, right? Sure. Psalm 19 is the law of the Lord reviving soul. It's perfect. It's like honeycomb, right? And so uh, when we make it unintentionally ambiguous or difficult, I think that's a, a mistake. And um, I think it's something that, that we as uh, individual Christians and churches have to go Hey, is my preference getting in the way of people really understanding? Maybe, you know, it's, it, we'll go back sort of to the King James, uh, you know, debate. More times than not, I would say something like this to someone who says, hey, I wish we would use the King James. I would say something to the fact of we're not opposed to the King James. If that's what you enjoy reading out of, if it if it's something that you, you're good, then keep using it. Let's just not make it 
the standard for everybody else. And I think that's a temptation to do with all of our translations. Um, right. I can remember being a first year seminary student telling you why the NIV shouldn't be used. I can tell you as a first year college student why the New American Standard was better than anything else or why we should just read out the Greek New Testament. And then you get to real life and you go, wait a minute, it's all about people knowing Christ and growing in him. And we need, and again, like you said, there is a there is an economic factor to publishers, you know, doing all this stuff. So yeah, I think we're, we're acknowledging that, but for time's sake, we're, we're not gonna necessarily address it. But how do you help people when they come to you and say, Ben, I'm a new Christian, or Ben, I was at the, you know, well, used to they might would say I'm at the bookstore, but now I'm on Amazon. And I don't know, which study Bible do I get? What Bible do I get? Um, I know we talked about our preferred. Do you, uh, how do you help shepherd those questions and, uh, you know, give people advice on that? Well, if we're looking for a study Bible, I, I kind of try to just question say, what are you wanting the study Bible for? Are you want like a, a women's study Bible? Are you want a men's study Bible that's going to help? Or are you want something that's very in depth? And, and so there's several good study Bibles out there. I mean, there are no shortage of study Bibles. It seems like there's a new one published every year at least. And so I, I just try to steer them toward a direction of what they're wanting from it. If they're just wanting some good commentary, I mean, like even the New Living has their own, ESV has a good study Bible. And, and so some of those, even the publishers have put study Bibles in with their translations. So I, I just try to steer them where it can help them. But if they're looking at the translation, I always just say, okay, here are the three things I'll, I'll tell you, depending on the age. If it's a teenager or a kid, I'll usually steer them more toward like the New Living Translations. I think it'll be a little bit easier to understand for them if they're going to be using it for reading on their own. But I also explain, most likely at church, most of the pastors, most of the teaching here is going to be done from the English Standard Version. That's just what we've chosen to use at our church for the, for the preponderance of the time. So if you want to have that same text in church, I would recommend getting that. So I think I just guide them that, and, I, and I'll say, you know, these are some good, solid translations. Any of these are good translations. I you I read from them. I think you can trust any of these translations, um, if you especially if you understand some of the nuances of their approach to translating. Um, but then I just kind of got I was like, what are you looking for from it? So I don't know if there's a hard and fast rule. I always say go to this one. But I ask, okay, what do you want to do with it? Is it more for carrying to church to following along? Is that a higher priority? Well, then I would get the translation that matches whatever church you are at uses. If it's more for study, then I'd start looking at some study Bibles that I think are trustworthy and just provide some basic helps. Yeah, I think keeping it simple, like you said, that way it's not too confusing to people. Look, most people, have, they don't know what Masoretic text is. They don't know what text receptus is. And I don't even think I said either one of those right. Um, but it is helpful to be able to say, um, here's, here's kind of our approach at our church. And I think it's a local church thing too, where it's like, Hey, we, as a community of believers, this tends to be the one we gravitate towards. Uh, and I think that's helpful for folks, you know, especially if you're like, Hey, read this text before Sunday sermon. I know I'm going to hear very similar language uh, about what I'm hearing. And so, yeah, I think that is a, a good part for the body. And here's, a, I think, a good tip or piece of advice maybe for Chair 2 guys who may be coming into an environment maybe you don't know. It's always a good question to ask. What translation do y'all normally use? And I have at times gone somewhere where I was speaking or teaching. It's like, hey, we use this translation. I was like, okay, I don't have that in my Bible. I've even printed out that text that I was using 
in that and just taped it in my Bible so that I would have the translation that they typically use. Because it's not an area to cause offense to someone. Um, and it's not worth it to not have the opportunity to teach or just, you know, write somebody off and them not pay attention to anything you say if they are, if the, if you kind of disrupt the apple cart when you do that. So that would be one tip I would say. And I would say always ask, be willing to use whatever translation they use as long as it's a legitimate translation. And I would say if you're using a different translation, if say maybe they tell you, hey, it doesn't matter, use any. If you find out, hey, we typically use this. What I would do when I was teaching or preaching is say, hey, today I'm reading from this translation. I like the way it says a certain passage, so I'm using this. And there's no harm in saying, this is probably different from what you normally read, what you're normally hearing, but here's this translation so you're not thinking I'm reading from some foreign manuscript or something that's completely different. Yeah, knowing your audience, knowing your context goes a long ways. You're right, you don't want to cause unnecessary conflict um, you know, when I used to go back and preach at my dad's church, I knew it was going to be mostly King James audience. I would been exactly what you said. I would print it out and I would, I would have the King James on a piece of paper. They didn't know I had a ESV at the pulpit, you know, where my notes were and things like that. So yeah, just being gracious about these things and, uh, helping people know Christ through his word. Um, Ben, there's so much we can say about translations uh, to folks, but really, like you said, it boils down to, hey, being able to understand it, being able to, you know, take that and apply it. Um, any final thoughts that you would give on um, translations uh, for that? For me, there are just two statements that I make about this often, and um, I, this is kind of where I land on it. The best translation for you is the one you'll actually read. Whatever it is you're going to read, if you're willing to read that translation, that's the best one for you to have. Because if you're not going to read it, it doesn't matter what translation it is. So the best translation for you to get is the one you'll read. And even the worst translation is better than no translation. So, you know, if you've got people and they don't have a really, maybe it's not one of the better translations of Scripture, but it has, it is a translation unless it's one of those that's just, you know, that denies Christ, deity, and those kind of things. And there are some translations like that. But the worst of those translations out there is still better than no translation. So I would rather somebody read a poor translation than never read any translation of the Bible. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I uh, switched to the comic book Bible and I will continue to... Uh, uh, if you want to do that in out. your... Uh, <laughs> if, if you want to do that in your quiet time, but I think I would suggest you get a better translation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's better ones. You bet, you bet. Well, no, that's always good. You know, it's something... Again, it's something simple, right? Buying a Bible until you realize there's so many translations and, and we just want folks to, like you said, the best one is the one you're going to read and, and at worst you still have a copy of the Bible. So good thoughts there. And we hope that these thoughts can help you in that chair too as you disciple people, do ministry in your local church. If we can ever be a help to you, please let us know. Make sure you like and subscribe to our podcast. Share it wherever you're at. If you have ideas for us to talk about, make sure you send us a message on social media, and we'd be glad to uh, uh, to kick that around. Ben, this was fun. I know you have translated from English. Well, you've been around translations now from English to Spanish to uh, the local language of Guatemala. Now you're back just a southern accent Bible translation. So We still do that- a lot of translating around here, too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So. Well, thanks so much for being a part of the podcast, and uh, we look forward to having you on next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. 
Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.